Welcome to An Academic's Life, and I am your host, Genesee Carter. Today, I want to talk about how academics, especially in graduate school, have been so often trained. I have to be careful with my mass generalizations here. So often trained in a scarcity mindset around academia and also the sunk cost fallacy in academia. The sunk cost fallacy is that you've put so much time and effort and tears and sweat and money into getting your graduate degree that how dare you think about doing something else with your life? And even if it's not explicitly said, because I've never heard any academics say it, there is a tonal undercurrent about the sunk cost fallacy, whether it's with ourselves emotionally, knowing that we've put so much time into academia, how dare we think about doing something else. But it goes hand in hand. The sunk cost fallacy goes hand in hand with the scarcity mindset because we have been taught as academics that getting jobs are really, really, really hard. That getting funding is really, really, really hard. That getting publications are really hard. I could go on and on about all the things that we have been told is really, really, really hard to do. And when we work so hard for our dissertations, for our publications, for our teaching, for our grading, for our service, for our grants, for our research lab money, when we work so hard, we don't wanna leave that. We don't wanna get up and go do something else, it feels. Maybe it's our lizard brain, maybe it's our biology that's like, why would you leave all of that for something else? And then there are other people who may be listening who don't buy into the scarcity mindset and don't buy in to the sunk cost fallacy. I would love to know you people. And it is easy, or maybe it is easier to decide to do something else and to pivot. This episode is about both of those fallacies, but also the need for us to think through if those fallacies have a foothold in our lives because there's nothing worse than staying in a job or staying in a career choice because we believe that there's nothing else that we can do. And there are so many academics who believe that there's nothing else for them out there and feel stuck and feel like they have poured their blood, sweat, and tears into the work that they are doing and that it would almost be a betrayal of self or betrayal of that work if they were to do something else. Here's why I think this topic is important. Not only do we need to be aware of these fallacies, these internal and external fallacies that have taken a foothold, but they're not true. They are absolutely not true. And when I'm saying when I say that they're not true, I want you to know, dear listener, that my inner critic in my brain when I said that is like, Mm-mm, you're wrong. <laughs> they're true. 
So there is even a piece of me that is resisting, like going against the grain of these fallacies and challenging these, um, these fallacies in my life. It is, it is almost like a protective mechanism in my consciousness that is like, nope, they're true. <laughs> stay put, stay put. And I want to get into this on a different episode But if you know anything about how your brain works biologically, your brain is trying to keep you safe and your brain does not like change. Your brain likes routine and repetition. And so anytime you try to do something different out of the norm, your brain from a biological point of view is afraid that you are going to die. And listen, scientists, I know that I'm oversimplifying here. I am a, you know, I am a poor humanities scholar trying to learn about the brain as I go along. But, you know, bear with me in the oversimplification. But the brain is trying to keep you safe. And it will often give you a fight, flight, freeze response because it is trying to keep you safe And it doesn't know if you're going to change that workout um, habit or that eating habit or that traveling habit or, you know, that boundary in the workplace. And it is not prepared for it. It is going to say, stop, what are you doing? So when my brain tells me, "Mm, Genesee, you're wrong. Scarcity is true. (laughs) The sunk cost fallacy is true. I have to remind myself that that is my brain protecting me. And it, it doesn't like new things because it wants to make sure that I don't die, that I don't get eaten by that Tyrannosaurus Rex. So why else is this important to talk about? Well, it's important to talk about because academia as a system relies or nay depends on us as academics believing these two fallacies the sunk cost fallacy, and the scarcity mindset. It wants us as a system to stay put because what do systems do? Systems need to work. All of the parts and the pieces of the system need to work together in unity. Think about it like, um, you know, unflatteringly as Star Trek's The Borg, the collective hive mind, where each Borg entity has its role and relationship within the system and that it takes directions from the mainframe. And academia as a system relies on this collective work and and academics doing um, their work within this system. And When I talk about systems, I am not negatively pointing fingers at individuals, okay? This is not about like blaming the department chair or blaming the dean or blaming the provost or blaming individuals. Sometimes systems become so big that they have to function on their own so they don't crash and burn, especially when economies depend on them. When you have a university that is... Um, a place where people depend on its ability to function. 
it's not about often the individuals anymore. It is the case of keeping that system going so that the people who depend on it can continue to depend on it. But where does that leave us? We are in this system that oftentimes doesn't give us raises or say that we need um, we need job offers from other places to have a competitive offer or that there isn't any funding. The scarcity mindset comes through budget cuts or you know evaluation materials and processes or the difficulty of getting professional development funding or funding for programs that need it. Um, and because a system is trying to protect itself at a financial level, often predominantly through a financial level, there is the scarcity mindset of, oh, we don't have these resources. We don't have this money. Jobs are so hard to get. And so academics often stay put. And they say, oh, yeah, it's, it's really, really hard. It's really hard. And this is what we have. And this is what we must do, you know, with what we have. And we shouldn't make ask questions. And we shouldn't push. And we shouldn't demand more because we get what we're given. And while that may be true, that all may be true, oftentimes as humans, we internalize what we've been told or the realities of our work experience. We internalize that information about us. And so we say, oh, budgets are difficult. I can't ask for this raise or I shouldn't go on the job market to get this raise or I shouldn't, you know, do this extra work thing because it's hard or I've I've put all of my time and my money into my degree or making my program function. I shouldn't go off and do this other thing. And I'm here to tell you I want to challenge these ideas. I think it is obviously important to look at a situation realistically, to look at a system realistically, but also to remember that we need to look out for ourselves. And what does that look like? Have we internalized this scarcity mindset that we, that we were told through graduate school and through our professorships? Have we internalized that to believe that we are stuck? Have we internalized that to believe that there are no other opportunities for us? Have we internalized that scarcity mindset to believe that if we were to if we were to you know go become a horse trainer or do volunteer work or you know start selling cookies and baking cakes doing this other thing that somehow it is lesser than and it is not as important or it's not as valuable as the academic work that we're doing because of the sunk cost fallacy this is these belief systems are so true in my own life because as I mentioned in the intro, the first episode, that being raised as an evangelical Christian where it was so important to do some kind of work that was quote unquote meaningful, that brought meaning, that it has been really hard for me to think of myself other than an academic. My identity and my purpose for work and being is so intimately entwined 
with my academic identity and thinking about doing anything else other than academics or doing something else other than, you know, even, even if I were to like take horseback riding lessons or do ballet or, you know, do something else, this scarcity mindset and the sunk cost fallacy has truly turned me into a workaholic, believing that I shouldn't take time for anything else in my life. Because if I'm doing other things outside of academia, somehow I'm not devoted to my work. Or that other people are going to get ahead and I'm going to be left behind. And so, yeah, there's a little, there's competition embedded in that or jealousy embedded in that. And thoughts of, I mean, at, at one point as, as a graduate student, I was like, oh, I, you know, I want to be on executive boards and I want to be the president of an organization and this, that, and the other. And, and those very like lofty goals and ideas then also create this fear of scarcity around opportunity, scarcity around like, you know, am I going to have enough publications um, for people to know me? Um, the sunk cost fallacy of like, oh, well, I've been working so hard on, you know, this curriculum design or this project or this research and... I have to see it through and it has to get into the best journal or it's all been a waste. And some institutions have a lot more pressure around that than others, depending on the institution. There's a lot of pressure around prestige and notoriety and um, name recognition than at least at the universities I've been at, but I still feel it. I still feel it. I see everybody, I see, you know, colleagues around me at fancy schools, in fancy programs, and think like, oh, if I just worked a little bit harder, oh, if I just spent more time doing, you know, this research, then maybe I'd reach the pinnacle of my career or or do this fancy thing that I've been longing to do. But my question, you know, like my metacognitive kind of reflective question here is why? And for me, my why very much came back to feeling like I needed to do some meaningful work. However, you know, I defined meaningful, changing the world, doing this meaningful work. And I still want to do meaningful work. And I I know that I do meaningful work. But I want to separate this idea of meaningful work and identity and career from the scarcity mindset and the sunk cost fallacy. Okay, so like I, I, I don't want to be doing work and, and being an academic because of fear around scarcity and fear around the sunk cost. And so when I really examined my fears head on, I mean, all the tears that I have cried over my academic life, you know, thinking that I won't get hired and I won't get an interview and this publication won't get published and this, that, and the other thing, all the things that I cried about and stressed out about. 
and it was all based in fear. And I just, listen, friends, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to live my life making decisions because I'm afraid that I'm not, that, you know, that good things are not going to happen to me. But it is so hard to like find the root of that scarcity mindset. And it's so hard to find the root of that sunk cost fallacy and like dig it out, dig it out of the ground and destroy it. It is just so deeply embedded in me and many others who I talk to. And so what does it mean for me to face this head on? Facing the scarcity mindset and the sunk cost fallacy mindset head on. Well, I am having to retrain the inner critic in my brain who says, this is your life, Genesee. This is your career, Genesee. Look at all the work that you've done, Genesee. You should keep on doing it, Genesee. And facing that inner critic and my biological brain who doesn't want me to move outside of the routine and do things that I normally thought would have been impossible or not a good use of my time, like this podcast or like reading for fun or like learning how to use computer programs that are totally unrelated to the work that I do or going to meetups with business investors doing things related to interests that I have that I'm, I'm not going to be publishing an article about or I'm not going to be developing a course around. And it has taken many, 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 many years for me to say it is okay for me to explore avenues of my life outside of academia, but it is also okay to say maybe at some point I don't want to be an academic anymore. And I really had to face that message head on for me because as I've been deconstructing from this idea that I have to have this intense meaning in the work that I do, I'm now even shifting ideas of what work should be and what I should be doing with my time. And I love the work that I do, but I also recognize that in many ways because of the system, that I work within as academia, it is not always fulfilling in the ways that I had hoped or the ways that I had dreamed about. And sometimes it feels like I'm being taken advantage of and that I'm not being valued or appreciated in the ways that I deserve to be. And I thought that I was going to, oh, the naive graduate student, you guys. I was so naive. I thought that I was going to be valued and appreciated in ways that would feel meaningful to me. And now I'm saying to myself, where can I get that value? Where can I get that meaning? It's okay if I don't get it from my job, where am I gonna get it from? Who am I gonna get it from? And that I need to do other things with my life to get that value and meaning. And some of you, you know, maybe just like happily cruising along in your careers and it is valuable and meaningful to you and you get up every day with a smile on your face and you're like, I can't wait to go to campus. And I envy you guys, I truly do. And I think it's wonderful, it is so wonderful. 
And for me right now, I don't feel that way. And I don't know, I don't know if that lack of feeling in me, what that means. Does that mean that I need to shift how I look at work? Does that mean I need to shift my identity in work? Does that mean that it's now time for me to adopt some hobbies outside of work? Like, what does that look like? I don't know. I don't know what that means. But I think it is wonderful for those of you who love the work that you're doing and it excites you every single day. And for me, I thought that it would. I thought that the greater purpose of changing students' lives or supporting students or being a program administrator would excite me every day and would just put like a spring in my step. And it's not. And so that's why I'm asking these questions. So I want what I want to leave you with is further exploring either in a, re, um, a journal, a reflection journal, or talking with friends. Where's the scarcity mindset for you? Where's that scarcity mindset for you? And where is the sunk cost fallacy mindset for you? And do those two belief systems show up for you around work and academic life? Do they show up for you in your relationships and in your family? Do they show up for you in your volunteer work? Do they show up for you in any other kinds of acts of service that you do or ministry work that you do? Do you feel like you are stuck in this system that you can't get out of and you don't want to be in because of the scarcity mindset and the sunk cost fallacy? So I know that those are two heavy questions for you, but I know that I believe that you can, you know, believe in you to do this work. And it's not, it's not an, I mean, some of you might have answers right away and be like, oh, I can identify those two mindsets immediately. Some of you, you know, it might bubble to the surface. Intense emotions or grief, pain, trauma, um, as you think about scarcity mindset and sunk cost fallacy. I just, I just want us to be free in whatever that looks like. You know, um, free as much as, as possible. Free to do the work that we want to do, live life that we want to live, and not feel like we're stuck. So that's my hope to you guys. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you later. Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.